What the hell is the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, ground number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another ballsy Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. This is our college edition, and that means that we're going to have a, a guest on that we're all glad to see. But before we hear from that guest, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Barry Horn. Thank you for having me, Kevin, on your podcast. <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't say it was my podcast. Un- un- unfortunately, Evan will not be with us today. That's the best part of this podcast. He- he's in no C- Evan. He's in Seattle with the Texas Rangers, and we'll get to him later. But do we have a guest? We do have a guest. He's on a- on the line from Austin. We we uh, spare no expense in the in bringing him in uh, for this podcast, Mr. Kirk Bowles. Kirk Bowles of the Austin American States, where he writes a column. He does write a and- column, and he takes particular interest in. The Texas Longhorns. And he's been, you know, I want to just add, he has been at the American Statesman since 1946. Not quite. Okay, was it was it 47? Yeah, yeah, let's round up, okay? Round up. A big win for those Longhorns uh, over the weekend against Notre Dame. Uh, Kirk, did you predict that that win? I did not. Did not. What, what was your score? What did you say it was going to be? I said it was going to be close. I said Texas is going to lose a heartbreaker by two points. And uh, I think it was like 26-24. I didn't think it would be this many points, but I figured it would be a very close game because Texas had closed the gap, and they more than closed the gap, obviously. Yes, they did. Mac Brown, Mac Brown picked Texas. I'll just go and say that. Doesn't he always pick Texas? Yeah, oh, okay. He does. Okay. I think he always picks Texas. Yeah, I had that game 21-17 Notre Dame. Uh, I, I felt like that Texas was probably making strides as well. And obviously, they were much better than that. Uh, now, we saw two quarterbacks play in that game, and I, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said that, uh, that well, you know, Shane Bouchelle played great, and they didn't really need Tyrone Swoops. I disagree with that point. I think that the, I usually don't like – those uh, those jumbo packages you bring somebody in like when Oklahoma did it with the belldozer. I think those are those are okay and they sound like a good idea, but but sooner or later they kind of peter out. I don't know if if Texas will keep this package the entire season, but boy, it sure looked good against Notre Dame. I don't know why they wouldn't keep it. I mean, ever since uh, Jay Norvell, the uh, second or third coordinator they had <laughs> last year, I can't. I lost count. Yeah. But once he once he put that in. You know, it was transformative, and Tyrone Swoop scored 12 touchdowns on the ground last year. Now he's already got three this year. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of not the biggest fan of the two-quarterback system, but this, I think, is probably the best in college football history. You know, mostly because they're so dissimilar. They're two different, totally different quarterbacks with different skill sets. And they just mesh perfectly, and you got a freshman who's glad to be there, and a senior in swoops who may be the most humble guy I've been around in a long, long time. Now you you're a lot older than me, so when you say the best in, in college football history, I, I will I will take your word for it. I think that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I but no, I, 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 I did Florida recently have uh, a similar system when Tim Tebow was a freshman. Yes, he. Yeah, that's what he he was part of. With uh, who was the quarterback before Tebow at Florida? Kirk. 
I, I, I can see him right now, but I can't think of his name. And he was he was a passer, and he was he was a nice quarterback. He got him into the national championship game, as a matter of fact. It wasn't Danny Werfel, was it? No, no, no it wasn't Werfel. I, I, I'll, I'll think of Chris, it in a minute. Chris, Chris. I think it was. It's Chris, Chris. It was Chris, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Not to speak. It was like, yeah, he played uh, uh, in the Ohio State Fiesta Bowl game. Remember? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so at any rate, the, the the point I think is a very good one is that I, I, I what you say about swoops. It, it takes a certain kind of quarterback that you were the guy and you were supposed to be the guy, and you're here four years later, and now they're going to start a true freshman. And that and I think that speaks well to what you say about Tyrone's personality and his uh, character that he'd be willing to accept this role. But I also think it, that in some way he probably feels like a lot of the pressure is off of him in this offense that he comes in to run this certain package, and that's what he's going to do. It doesn't require him to do some of the things that he really couldn't execute as a full-time quarterback. Yeah, he's not an accomplished passer. He's not very accurate. He, he's got an arm just as strong as you'd ever want. He's got a Cardell Jones arm almost because he's so big and strong. He's you know, like 6'5", 245. And I asked him yesterday, you look bigger and stronger Last year, have you gained weight? And he said, no, I might have even lost a little bit. But he, he looks a little bit uh, – well, he's running more determined, but he looks a little bit quicker. And, you know, can, it can be kind of hard for him to get started in the backfield. But, well, he ran like a man possessed uh, uh, last week against Notre Dame. That's Chris Leak, by the way. It is Chris Leak. Chris Leak, that's it. It is way. Chris Leak. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's right. I don't know why – Better now than in the middle of the night. It comes yeah, to me, but, uh, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah, he's just not a great passer, and, and he's perfectly made for this role. He really, it's a short yardage plan, and they've got a really good offensive line now for the first time in, gosh, 10 years. I mean, they haven't had a lineman drafted since 08, so it just seems like it works to perfection. And, uh, and like I said, he doesn't have a big ego at all. He told us yesterday, guys, he said, you know, Shane, Michelle, Throws for 500 yards and six touchdowns, and I don't even make it on the field. I'm okay with that as long as we win. And he means it. You know, most guys say that. They go, yeah, yeah, sure. But he really seems to mean it. He's he's a team leader. He's very soft-spoken, didn't say a whole lot. But I'm thoroughly impressed with the way he's carried himself. Surely at one point we we can see him faking a run and throwing the ball uh, down there. In fact, I thought – that would have been a great call. This was my my football acumen. That I thought right before he ran it for the touchdown. I thought, what if he passes the ball now? He'll surprise everybody. And, He'll surprise a hundred, hundred and three thousand people in the stadium. And I bet he does this year. I don't know. It'd be probably a little short dump pass. Right. People like to the tight end or something, and that I think that couldn't be set up any more perfectly than it is. But I think that's I what will do that too, Barry. They give you credit. And they do it. That's right. I, no, I think that's what you – you don't want to do that in the first game. If you're going to win this game that way, as simply as possible, that's the best thing. But now, why show everybody what you're going to do? That, I, I bet he it was the Notre. It was the Notre Dame it's game. Notre it was Dame a, game. a national, it's a a national television. But if you think you can run it in on them, and that's what the people felt like at the end of that game, especially at the end of an overtime game when you're just being more physical than somebody else, there's no need to finesse anybody at that point. But I do think that's something that'd break out against Oklahoma. I predict I predict that Tyrone throws his first touchdown pass against Oklahoma. You don't think they'll have to throw the ball against Texas El Paso? No. I'm not thinking so. I'm not th- they didn't have to throw the ball against Oklahoma? Uh wow. Now, now did you see I'm where asked, Did I'm you see asked. where where Bob Stoops has uh has thrown his quarterback under the bus and said the reason they lost was because of Baker Mayfield? He did not play well and uh 
I don't know, in this era of accountability, I guess, you know, I'm not that, that, that down with it because, you know, heck, we want everybody to tell us the truth, right? Right. Well, so, he, he didn't play well. I, I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan, but he's too much of a freelancer. He's not a three-step throw, five-step throw, and he just freelances a little bit too much. He's not a timing quarterback, and I think that can hurt the rhythm of the passing game. Yeah, how about it? Let's, let's give a little credit to the Houston defensive freshman defensive lineman, Ed Oliver. He was oh, all wow. over. When's the last time you saw a freshman defensive tackle play that well, Kirk? Ooh, I don't know if I ever have a, a true freshman. I mean, yeah, he played his first game. Some great ones like Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers that were real good when they were young. But and Kenneth Sims was great, but he that was when he was a junior. So I mean, he is a man, and I don't know if you saw him in pursuit. He would be running down Joe. He, oh yeah, he he ran he down uh, Mayfield. He looked like a, he looked like a defensive end. Uh, well, I, you know, he kind of he's not. I don't know what I don't. I, frankly, I don't know what size he is. He's, he's, he's over three hundred. I think he's over three hundred pounds. Is he? I, I didn't yeah, think he looked he, that big. Is he? Because like, I tell you I what, he, he's not a big blubbery defensive tackle. I tell you that no, he no. he's he looked like a fullback running back out there. He was he was tremendous, and that was a huge boost uh, to tech, uh, to Houston to have him out there. But that that was one of the things I was just kind of kidding about, Bob. He's not throwing him under the bus, but he did just say. Hey, you know, uh, he he's hanging on to the ball too long. He's ta- you know, the, most of those sacks that they took uh, were things where uh, it was not the fault of the receivers, not the fault of the offensive line. He was just as as you said, just holding on to the ball, wanting to make too too many plays. He's got a little uh, he's got a little Johnny Manziel in him. He's got a little uh, Tony Romo in him. He wants to hang and hang and hang and hang and look for a guy wide open. He's listed at six two two ninety. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look, he's and he he doesn't look too. Yeah. No, he doesn't look too nice. Looks like he's about two sixty. Yeah, you know, he's he's so well put together. So the other thing with Oklahoma guys is got they got away from the running game again, same as they did Texas last October, and they don't have the star receiver now. Like Sterling Shepard's gone. You know, D.D. Westbrook's pretty good, but I mean, they don't have that that great receiver anymore. And I think that that hurts their, that offense as well. What is what is this, the deal with both Texas and OU? When's the last time Texas had a star receiver? Uh, well, Roy Williams has been a while. Yeah, so he and he and Jordan Shipley were great. I mean, John Harris a couple years ago had a thousand yards, came out of nowhere. But you know, I think John Burke could be that. Now he dropped a touchdown pass, but he still caught six of them for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. I think. You know, he's a, he's a possible NCAA champion in the hurdles, too. So, a terrific athlete. I think he's going to emerge and become their great receiver. What about the kid that, that decommitted from Baylor and went to Texas? Has he got a chance to get on the field? Yeah. We didn't see DuVernay uh, against uh, Notre Dame, and we're not sure why. We didn't get a real clear answer on why. But I, I really think they're loaded at receiver. I mean, you look at Jake Oliver up in, from your neck of the woods, the Dallas Jesuit. I mean, he was a, all everything in high school. He and caught a pass. He caught two passes, oh. the first two passes of his career. and looked pretty good in the slot as well. So, you know, Ja'Cory Warwick, who uh, uh, Charlie calls Petey, you know, we're still waiting for the for that Warwick to show up. But he, he had a good game, too. So I really think they're loaded at wide receiver. They just don't have that star featured receiver yet unless it's John Bird. Kirk, how tall are you? 
Wow, that's a low blow. Okay, but my, 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 I asked that question. Is I, I'd like to know if you if you stood next if you stood next to Shane Bouchelle, and if you can get an accurate reading on how tall he is. I don't think he's six one. Do you? Oh, I don't think he's anything close. I, I was going to say maybe five eleven. You know, maybe six foot, but you know, he he looks small. I'll put it that way. But I don't think he's anywhere close to six one. I, I I disagree with that. I think he looks like his dad's tall. His dad he looks like he's pretty yeah. close to his dad. His dad. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He he just maybe it's just watching him with all the big guys out there. But he looks tiny out on the. Well, field. you're gonna look tiny next to Tyrone Swoops. That's for sure. Yeah, but he looks tiny next to everybody out. He looks yeah. he looks like he's 15 years old out there. <laughs> I hate to see. Yeah, he does. He, in person, he looks like he's 15 too. But you know, he's only 18. He won't even be 19 till. You know, January eighth, which is the day before the national championship. I saw you tweet that the other day. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's an interesting There's point. Yeah, that away. Are, 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 you, are you are you think you'll see him playing in the national championship game? Is that what you're saying? I am not expecting it, but I think this is a Texas team that can contend for the Big Twelve this year. I mean, well, certainly now, at, you know, I think that's certainly a good possibility. Yeah, I think with OU falling and. You know, I would think they would be a big under a big underdog, underdog to Ohio State in two weeks, and TCU, you know, didn't look all gangbusters, and uh, you know, Bader's offensive line, defensive line are kind of works in progress. And do you look at all the athletes and playmakers on both sides of the ball that that Texas has? And we always knew they were missing a quarterback, and they got these two big Brahma Bulls. And, Foreman and Chris Warren the third they can run at you. I mean they had 237 yards rushing. Now they they got to shore up that defense. You know you can't give up 47 points. Although maybe in the Big 12 you can give up 47 a game and still win. I don't know, but uh, I think the defense will get better. They got a lot of depth in the secondary, but D line's got to be a little better. And uh, Malik Jefferson he looked terrific. He so, did. Not, not I think that they're a legitimate contender in the Big Twelve. I not, really do. Not that this would ever happen, but is there a chance that Notre Dame was overhyped and, and overrated? Well, I think uh, a lot of the Notre Dame writers told me the last two weeks that you know their defense didn't work close to kind of their usual standards. You know, they lost guys like you know Jalen Smith, who you guys know, and Sheldon Day, and you know Will Fuller, their star receiver. They lost him, so they lost a lot of. A lot of talent over there. But the other thing that Notre Dame didn't do itself any favors was, you know, alternating quarterbacks until midway through the third quarter. Yeah, when he stopped alternating, that's when they started making a big comeback. I tell you what, Deshaun Kaiser is terrific. He's going to play in the NFL. There's no question about it. He's a big, strong guy and threw in some tight windows. And had he played him the whole game, who knows how it would have turned out. But that was fortuitous for the Bevos. So, uh, as long as we're making comparisons uh, to the teams that were played, uh, I want to I want to talk about the game that I uh, covered, which was in College Station, uh, the UCLA Texas A and M game. And uh, when I went down on the field uh, with seven minutes left in the game, at that point, A uh, and M had held UCLA out of the end zone, no touchdown. Would have been the first if they could have kept that up. Would have been the first time in Kevin Sumlin's tenure that he held a good team, not an SMU or a Lamar. Uh, but a good team out of the end zone for an entire game, um, and and looked really good. And so then, you're the reason. Yeah, I'm the reason. So then, so then, uh, of course, the fourth quarter just fell apart for A&M. They blew that 15 point lead, and then they had to go to overtime, and they won in overtime. 
uh, which it's it's a it's a good win. It's a decent win against the number sixteen team. Uh, but then our headline the next day uh, over in my column uh, was about the fact that uh, that Kevin Sumlin kept himself out of the Tom Herman sweepstakes for at least another week. Um, and so how do we compare that to the Texas game in which remarkably similar set of circumstances, from, at least from the game standpoint, uh, had a big lead, blew the big lead late, uh, going overtime and winning overtime. And, of course, the reaction was completely different. Kirk, I want you to, to explain why you think the perceptions of those two games were different. Well, I was wondering why you were so hard on the <laughs> Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Because he's I a cougar. That's right. That's right. You know, I, some, a good friend of mine who's an Aggie sent me all these headlines around the state and how uh, they painted the picture differently for the two and and I have to admit, I, I thought there was merit to that. I think because there were very similar uh, everything, you know. I mean, both Texas and A and M breaking in a new quarterback and and uh, you know having blowing a lead, coming back to win, both against ranked teams. I mean, to me, there was some uh, similarities to it. Now the the storyline, like as far as you go, you wrote about Tom Herman. Everybody's been talking about that, so I think, you know, I don't think anybody would argue that you know both Sumlin and Strong are on the hot seat, and they went a long way to getting themselves off of that seat. But you know, Tom Herman's still sitting there; he's not going away. So I think that's a, an apt storyline. But I think, in fairness, I think probably we in the media painted it a little too harsh for the Aggies and too rosy for the Bebos. And it probably had something to do with the Notre Dame name, the fact that it was the standalone game on a Sunday night and you got your big 50-47 to 47 score. And uh, don't leave out new Bebo, 15, by the way. But I, I think there's some uh, validity to the uh, complaints from the Aggies, I'll put it that way. Well, I think it also has to do with uh, UCLA coming out of the Pac-12. I don't think they people really think, and maybe rightfully so, that the that a Pac-12 team, even if it was rated higher, that was the favorite in the game. Sixteen, right? And, and no, no, were, no, the, the Aggies were the Aggies were favorite. The Aggies were favored to win. Okay. That was another reason why to do it. To me, to my estimation, when we talk about new quarterbacks, I, I thought the differences were. That uh, I do think there's some semblance of validity to it. I can certainly see why Aggies would get would get upset about it. Uh, but here, here's here's where the difference is to me. Uh, one, uh, yeah, Trevor Knight is starting his first game at A and M, but this is a guy who beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. It's a little difference. And between, then what? Uh, well, he wasn't great after that, but he's played a lot. Shane Bouchelle had played zero. Uh, before he he took the start in that game in right. a, a big game, so that's a big difference to me. Also, when you consider the fact that uh, um, I, I do think that Notre Dame is probably better than UCLA, uh, and uh, I, I do think well going into the game, you know, we have a best of Texas poll, and I ranked the Aggies number one in Texas, and as it turned out, I was wrong. I think Houston's the best team in the in the state now, but I I, th- I had the A and M number one, I had Texas number five. So if I've got if I've got Texas fifth and I got A and M first and if, if Texas and if A and M barely comes back you know after blowing this lead and beats UCLA I think that that Aggie game is gonna uh, the the Texas win is gonna be bigger and also look we would we could make the argument that maybe last year's win over Oklahoma was Charlie's biggest win uh, 
but certainly this Notre Dame win is right up there with it, right? So this one's bigger because the OU win last year was followed two weeks by Iowa State. Yeah. So oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. Right. There's no question that, 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 that yeah, we don't know what happened it. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't sustain it, and who knows if they'll sustain this. Well, that, absolutely. So you can't, you can't really measure, but it's, it's right up there. Would we consider uh, A&M's win over UCLA one of Kevin Sumlin's best wins? No, because uh, no. It, it'll, this is the guy who no. beat. No, nothing is going to surpass for a while the Alabama right. game. Yeah, he beat, beat Alabama in and, Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa, nothing's going to surpass. Yeah, so, so I mean, to me, my point was about it was it's not that I'm being. Oh my gosh, why can't you? Why can't you be appreciative of what the Aggies have done? To me, the a and already moved on from that. They don't need to be patted on the head for a win. You know, th- this is an or- this is a, a, a team, a team, not an organization. Was <laughs> close. Uh, this is a team and a program that has is, has uh, stepped up, right? Uh, or at least it had stepped up. Needs to, you know, and so they don't need to be congratulated every time they beat somebody that's a that's a good opponent. Opponent, you know. I, I just felt yeah. like had they had they held on and played that last quarter when you, you give up 15 points in four minutes, had they held on that last quarter, I had fully prepared to write a column saying it looks like they got a really good defense now. looks like that, that this was the last thing they needed to have to make a real challenge in the SEC West, and maybe they're going to do it this year. But when they give up 15 points in four minutes, you know, I, I, I feel, you know and, and, and let's not even consider the fact there were two other drives that UCLA had where, you know, there was an interception down at the end where it was a clanged off a guy's hands. The guy's wide open. He hits him in the hands. It bangs off his hands, and the, and the kick, you know, intercepts it. So that was another long drive. The point was is that the defense gave up a lot of long drives there in the fourth quarter. So uh, it, it, it took a little bit of the, uh, of the you know, of the – you know, it tarnished, I guess, the win a little bit, in my estimation. And also, I think a lot of those people, when they read those headlines, they're not reading the columns either. There was a lot of nice things about A&M in that column. Is this, is this Kevin Sherrington's defense of Kevin Sherrington's Yes, column? it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> no. I think you're right, Kevin. I think you're right in, in that expectations played into that a very big role because, you know, someone's coming off back-to-back eight and five seasons. You know they can be a contender in the West or right, right behind Alabama, and their defense is so much better. While Texas, true freshman starting quarterback, true freshman center, they played eight freshmen. They're coming off a five and seven year and back to back losing seasons, so expectations were so less. So Absolutely, I definitely think that created the mindset uh, hey, that was different. Hey, I just want to point out I covered a game this weekend too. What game was that? I was at the Baylor Northwestern State game. I could have written that story before I got before I got there. <laughs> I think you did actually. Didn't I, you? I, I I think I wrote it in the in the in the first half. But um, it, 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 but I'll tell you what, Jim Grobe wants to be the coach at Baylor. There, oh, there's there's no does. question in my mind he wants to stay, and there's no question in my mind he's never had a team as talented as he has now, as, as this Baylor team when he was at Wake Forest. I'm sure that's I th- right. I, I, think he, I think he's loving it. But let me ask you, let me ask you two experts a question. Get, when will, will Houston lose a game this year? Kirk? I'm going to say no. Not till the playoffs. Because Louisville is the only other ranked team that's ranked right now that they have on their schedule. Right. Now, that can change, obviously. So he's saying no. What are you saying? I'm saying no, they don't. And when will Texas lose its first game? Kirk? Uh, I'm going to say Oklahoma. 
Now, they play Oklahoma State before that, and that's going to be very tough. But I think Oklahoma will probably lose to Ohio State and come in desperate, angry, ticked off, and probably take it out on Texas. So, and as far as Houston goes, circle that Tulsa game. That could be a little trap game because it's Philip Montgomery and his offense. So that's a possibility. So I'll say Oklahoma for Texas. I'm not sure uh, about the Oklahoma thing. You know, one of the things that Bob Stoops does very well is when they lose a game early, they respond very well to that. Uh, and right. and they and you know when they've lost to Texas, they have gone on and had a good season anyway. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. I, I I have a hard time, but I have you know that was such a surprise last year when Texas won that. Well, game. What about the California game? Is that a, is that a game that they could lose when they go play Cal? Texas. I don't think Cal has the defense to, to, to stop Texas' running game. So, you know, I think they'll score a lot of points on the Texas defense, which still, you know, has a long way to go and has to grow up a lot. But I think this could be a dynamic Texas offense. Now if they got their quarterback and the big running game going, a lot of playmakers. So I was asking Dante Foreman, he said, you guys going to average 50 points a game? He said, well, it'd be nice to do more than that. That'd be lovely. <laughs> More than that, More yeah. Than that. I like it. Well, let me ask you this, because this is something I'm going to write uh, in my column uh, early in the week. This is Today is Tuesday. So the week's almost over the week's already. almost over. Uh, is the, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, going into the season, really these rankings mean very little. Uh, okay. but, and, and, uh, and that's one of the things I like about the CFP is they wait uh, to rank everybody. But having said that, what a great weekend this was. Uh, for college football. They, first of all, that you had good teams playing each other. There weren't a lot of, of uh, Baylor, Northwestern State, or TCU, South Dakota State uh, games, even though TCU has, uh, had to struggle or struggled to, to beat uh, South Dakota State, uh, is that uh, we had so, so many great uh, uh, matchups and teams playing each other, and, and it was just a lot of fun to watch that for a change. Can you remember, Kirk, a, an, an early weekend like this that uh, that was so much fun to watch? No, I don't think anything even comes close. I think it blows every other season opening weekend out of the water. I love the fact that Texas and Notre Dame was moved to Sunday. I love how college football's kind of gone to a Monday night game before the uh, yeah. NFL begins. I think that's true. The only thing, the only rain I'd throw on the parade would be take one of these or two of these and put them in week two because, I don't know, is anybody excited about a game this weekend? I mean, couldn't LSU play Wisconsin this weekend or Georgia, North Carolina or somebody? Because we couldn't watch all those great games. There were so many great games, uh, uh, Bader game aside, that Barry had to cover. But I just wish they would space them out a little bit because it seems like we always have at least one, if not two weeks in September, we're going, oh, my gosh, when will conference play start? Well, you know, I, I, th- I think this will become the standard. Uh, you know, the, the ratings were terrific. The television ratings were terrific. And, and, that's, right. what, and, that's, and that's what drives this. Uh, you know, ABC, ESPN, ESPN, ABC, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, they get in there and, 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 and they broker the games. And then they decide which game goes, goes where. And um, it, it, it was just a phenomenal weekend. And, I, and, and if, if a team rides it out... I think a team schools that did not play uh, quality opponents the first week and and they're penalized for it 
may in year in years to come, you know, look up and say, "Hey, we we better get on this bandwagon." But that, that, that's an interesting point for me because you Thank know, you. I'm, what I'm thinking about uh, that was one of the things I was going to consider in this column is that all right, let's let's take the fact that uh, okay, so Baylor plays Northwestern State. That's Art Briles scheduling, right? Right. That was what they were going to do. We're going to play three really weak teams, and then we're not going to hurt ourselves going into conference play, right? So Oklahoma plays. You know, uh, Houston, which is which, when the game was scheduled, what, what were they was thinking? not a great game. That, that's right, okay. but it is one of those things that you could call a trap game. Right. You know, right? It's a it's a team that you should beat. It's one thing to play Notre Dame. Texas plays Notre Dame. If they lose to Notre Dame, that's not good. But you're losing to Notre Dame, right? You lose to Houston, and, and it, you know it, it's not a for an Oklahoma. It's not an in-state team, but it, you know, but it's close enough. You you're recruiting in Houston. You really hurt yourself with that loss. You can't explain to your 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 boosters who who are forking over all this money for you to have all these great facilities. And Houston's facilities have certainly improved over the last five years, but it's still not what Oklahoma Oklahoma has. And they're going to say. How come those people down there who don't have as much as we have, they just beat us? And only beat us, but beat us handily. How does that happen? It's one thing from the – they don't want to lose to Texas, for sure, but they, they, they sure don't want to lose to a Houston. So, to me, you know, we can say it, this will prompt teams to play these types of games more often because the fans are clamoring for them. They get great, uh, they get great, great ratings. and All of that's all good. But then if you lose one of these games, you, have you screwed yourself? Well, the Houston game for OU was only scheduled a couple of years ago, but Tom Herman wasn't there yet, and that shows the power of coaching when Tom Herman can go in there. And they've had success at Houston. Well, know, they had Art Bryles and Kevin Sumlin, and that was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. But then they hit a little bit of a lull, and then they got great again with Herman there. And look at Jim Harbaugh, what he's doing at Michigan. So I understand that, and I think I agree with you, Barry. It's kind of the wave of the future. And I embrace that and love that. But don't you think coaches, you know, they don't want to open with Houston. No, they do not. So that would that would mean putting one of these games, you know, the second week when we're, we're having a little bit of a lull. Yeah, we have the NFL, but I just wish they would do a little better job of spacing them out. And I would think these coaches would tell their ADs, yeah, I'll play Southern Cal or – or Wisconsin, or Houston, or whatever, but do it in week two. You know, don't have to be in week one, because, and I've always said, you know, they should allow an exhibition game slash scrimmage for college football. You know, it'd be a great little money maker. you know, go in, maybe don't even sell tickets, sell concessions. I mean, it would drive up interest and TV ratings for college football if they each had one game like that. Oh, Kirk, you know, I was going with you so far until you brought up exhibition football, you know, hey, and, hey. and now and now I'm going to have to just sign off on you. That's Wait a minute, wait a minute. How much interest would there be in a Texas-Houston scrimmage, you know, a week ago? You don't think that – they wouldn't look at that as a preseason game. You know, NFL preseason means – let me see the bottom fourth or the third of the roster, most of which aren't even going to make the team, and it's keeping people healthy. You know, and college coaches would want to do the same, but that's part of the reason we see all these upsets. Uh, you look at Jalen Hurts, kind of a rocky first quarter for Alabama, and then he takes off. Look at DeAndre Francois at Florida State, a rocky few series, and then he looked, looked great, looked like the next Jameis Winston. So it takes a while to get the kinks out. That's I'm not... I shouldn't use the word preseason or exhibition. Maybe we'll use a scrimmage. I think I think that would help. But more than anything, I'd like to space out these big games throughout September. Well, that's what that's what Baylor's doing, you know, by playing Northwestern State. 
They play. Oh, maybe they're facing things out. Way way maybe they thought they were playing Northwestern, <laughs> which, which <laughs> yeah, by the way, crazy. lost this weekend also to one of the directional Michigan schools, I think. Wow. My alma mater. There are a lot of schools that didn't look well. How many, how many SEC teams lost? Seven? I think that's correct. Yes, they they oh. did not. Uh, and and you know that. And, and I will say this: as much fun as it is to watch, it, it, surely you know that. I mean, everybody knows you can lose early and still make a comeback, right? You know. Although right. I think losing to Houston like that, I'm not sure Oklahoma makes a comeback from that. If they ran the table, I don't. I'm not sure they could get into the CFP after that loss. Maybe they could. I think they could. If, if Houston goes on. Yeah, and if Houston yeah. is undefeated, that that goes undefeated. That won't hurt the Oklahoma cause probably either I, I guess you're right it the game was in Houston uh so uh, I, I think it's possibilities of that kind of thing I, but I just think it's, it's very difficult uh to to be you know because college football is just what you said in, in pro football you get you're playing four stinking preseason games uh before you even get into the first game in college football you jump right into the deep end which of the probably pool. makes which probably makes the anticipation for the opening week even greater uh, and and nobody knows what's what's coming, so I think that's a good thing for college football that there is no preseason games. No, oh, I think so too. Uh, you Absolutely. know, so the first this is the first time out of the shoot, and and I think you know people are much more excited about about, uh, about the weekend. Sure, and I'd make the argument. I'd make the argument that if oh, you ran the table, they're more deserving than maybe most teams to get in that playoff because of their taxing schedule. Nobody else has played at Houston. In Ohio State, that means they. Well, that's a great point. Ohio State. They'd won their Power Five conference. They'd won eleven in a row, and obviously Notre Dame is maybe out of the picture with a loss, and so that helps the other Power Five conferences as well. So, and they're not going to be four undefeated conference champions. We know that. Yeah, Kirk, it's been great having you on as always. Uh, we're, we're glad you could make it. We're glad we could afford you. Uh, and and it's always fun to have you on. Uh, we're going to have you on a whole lot. And you have your own podcast down there now. And we Austin. are, we are. We have to have you guys on our real soon. What's the name? What's the name? What's the name of it? It's on Second Thought with uh, me and Cedric Golden, who carries the show. So uh, we'll be. Uh, yeah, I kind of we kind of took a page from you guys and uh, doing really well. We get we've had a lot of interest. Uh, We've had uh, had Shaka Smart on a couple weeks ago, and Corey Redding, and uh, uh, Ivan Mazel, big names. But uh, we, I don't know if we can afford you two, so we just have to scrimp by. Well, that that's a good segue for us because now Kevin can tell everybody the name of our podcast, what other podcasts we have going today, and. Uh, how people could subscribe. I, th- I believe that our, our Twitter feed is at Ballsy Podcast. Uh, is that not correct? That people can find us on the iTunes store. They, they certainly can. And where else can they find us? They can find us on a street corner begging for money, usually. And uh, and, and our other podcast today, we're, uh, we're going to have a baseball podcast with Evan Grant, who's in who Seattle. is in Seattle with the Rangers. Evan may uh, may have some pitching tips for Cole Hamels. Yeah, and, and then and then we have our Cowboy Palooza season opener. Pre pre opener podcast. We've today. got like you've lined up uh, like what a dozen guests. A dozen guests. They're just gonna be running them through. We're, it's it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. But, but you know what? Played. A dozen guests will not equal one. one Kirk Bowles. Kirk, thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Take see care. you, Kirk. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. There he goes, Kirk Bowles.
He was great. He was great as he always is, and he was very, very upfront when I asked him how tall he was too. Yeah, upfront, five eight. No way. What do you think, Kirk Bowles? Is like five six. How tall are you? Five eleven. How much do you weigh? <laughs> One hundred eighty-seven pounds. You're the you're the lightweight in this in, in this I group with me and Evan That's by far. You, we're we're super heavyweights in a lot of ways. Yeah. I am. No, but everybody, thanks for listening, and see you next week. Bye.